So welcome to another episode of Conveyance in Matters. And today we've got a very special guest, Rob Moore. So hi, Rob. How are you doing? Hey, Stuart. All good. Thank you. Good stuff. So how do I introduce Rob Moore? So do I call him an author, public speaker, entrepreneur, property investor, TV personality, boxer, sportsman? Where, where do I go here? Entrepreneur, I, that's a catch-all term, isn't it? And it's vague enough to make me sound important. <laughs> <laughs> so um, obviously, you know, you've, you've been in property for ages and, and I come across you on your podcast and your social media platforms, um, even got some of your, your books. So I'm not even sort of actually joking. I do actually uh, subscribe to a lot of your theories about sort of investing and stuff like that. So maybe if we just start off with... Um, given a brief bit of history about actually how you got into property in the first place. Yeah, sure. So nearly two decades ago, um, I went to a property networking meeting locally in Peterborough. And um, networking back then wasn't really for me. I was a bit introverted, a bit of an artist. Um, I wasn't, I didn't like yuppies or, um, you know, businessy type events. Um, of course, my tunes completely changed on that now. And I, Many people might call me a yuppie. Um, I don't think I've said the term yuppie for about 10 years. I think that's a, you've got to be 40 to know that phrase. Um, and yeah, because I'd been struggling financially in my life and I got myself into debt, um, a sort of mentor at the time who was hanging my work because I used to be an artist, he was like, you know, you should get into these property meetings because you know, you can get into property with no money down. And, you know, most people who are successful make money in property. And this was 2006 stroke seven, you know, when everyone was making money in property. And, you know, if you if anyone's been in the property game for 20 years, you'll remember, you know, the same day remortgages and all these kind of things. And I knew nothing about this and didn't think it was possible. Um, and then I went to this property meeting and I met my business partner, Mark Homer, there, the first one. And that kickstarted our journey. And I got to know him and he gave me some books to read. And I managed to get a job at his property sourcing company. And then we bought 20 properties together in that first year and about another 30 the next year, evenings and weekends, while we were sourcing properties for other people in our day job. I suppose I didn't know what I didn't know back then. And I didn't know that that was, um, I, you know, I didn't have the limiting beliefs. You know, often people say, well, if I knew how hard business was, I wouldn't have got into it. I didn't really know, know what was normal and what wasn't. Um, and I think, um, I think it was a good job that I didn't know my business partner had money up front and yeah, I, I guess I just didn't know. Although I didn't have knowledge of the industry, I also didn't know the limitations. Yeah, there we go. So, so just as a general, why do you think it is such a good idea to still buy property? Because, you know, we've now got cryptocurrency, we're more educated in what we can look into, but bricks and mortar is still such a, you know, such a big favourite for everybody to invest in. Yeah, um, well, I mean, it's not a favourite for everyone. Um, you know, if, if you're an Eastern society, you don't have as good private property ownership rights. Um, and a lot of the younger generation, you know, they want the freedom to travel and, and they're much more raised on the sort of um, the digital economy. 
So it's not for everyone because there are downsides to it. Um, however, the upsides are it has great utility of most other asset classes other than maybe some food commodities. I don't know if you call them assets, but basically, um, you know, you need property to live in, whereas many other asset classes don't go up in the same way because they don't have the same utility function. Um, you can track about a thousand years of history. So you can go back to 1088 and you can see that all land and property value in the UK was worth about a million pounds. And now that won't buy a garage in central London. So you can see the growth curve there. Um, I call it, I call it the, um, the financial triad. Um, whereby you've got capital, equity and income. Now, capital is the value of the asset. Equity is the value you've added or the discount you've gained. And then income is the cash flow. And, you know, you get capital in gold, but you don't get equity because you have to buy it at the market price and you don't get income. But with real estate and property, you get capital, you know, you get its value that goes up. You get equity because you can buy low, sell high, or, or you can add value through refurbishment or redevelopment, and you get income. So you've got the magic three there. Um, also, the banks will lend on property. That is their main security and collateral. They don't you know, lend generally on your watch portfolio or your stock market portfolio. Generally, it's on property. So um, I also found out recently, and I found this interesting, uh, an economist told me this, um, but the banks don't want, we're tens of, thousands, tens of thousands of houses behind where we need to be to catch up with um, supply issues. So, uh, you know, we're 70,000-ish houses a year behind target for development to catch up with the, you know, the housing crisis, basically, the accommodation crisis. And I learned recently that um, the banks don't want that to be caught up because if it is caught up, then it will reduce the value of property and reduce their risk um, because there's more supply than demand. So even the banks are controlling, uh, you know, the housing supply. And when you've got low supply and high demand, you've got rising prices. Of course you have. Yeah, of course you have. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose... Leading on from that, you know, how do you see the market at the moment? Because, you know, there is such a demand and, you know, a, a general kind of thought on most things in life is while the demand is so high, it keeps prices high. So how do you sort of see the market at the moment and, and possibly the, the immediate future for it? Yeah, the market at the moment, I'm sure it really fascinates me. Um, I never pretend that I know when the market will, you know, when the bubble will burst or when the market will rise and fall. I think nearly, nearly two cycles of experience does give me some insight. And um, I think the main reason that it's still a seller's market, because um, it, well, uh, let me caveat this, Stuart, it depends where you are in the country and it depends on the type of real estate you're buying, whether it's residential or commercial or industrial. So that's important. But yeah, the market is still quite buoyant and quite strong when I'd have expected it to already correct. Um, but that's usually because of supply versus demand. And there's still not um, 
that are many properties on the market for sale, which again surprises me. Um, what we are seeing though is the rising interest rates, which are reducing the affordability, reducing um, that basically people's mortgages are much more expensive now. So you're seeing um, that people's mortgages have gone up 100 or 150%. Uh, and so I think that's going to push some repossessions into the market because people won't be able to afford that. Um, we had some strong rental increases um, in the last 24 months, which partly negated the cost of finance, the interest rate rises. Um, but I think the lockdown created some artificial, well, basically lockdown ruined supply. Yeah. Uh, and so that created a false, when I say false, it is what it is, but it created a, a false bubble. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I would have thought that by now that bubble would have burst. But um, I, I wonder if the supply of houses on the market has caught up yet. It probably hasn't. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's fascinating times because you've got rent rises, which is obviously good if you want to be an investor, but you've got a, a much higher cost of finance. So you've, you've got to kind of offset that against each other. Um, but, I mean, we just bought a Pizza Express and um, they, they were in a CBA and the, the rent that they're paying is at least 25 grand under market value for, for rent. And I think there's quite a lot of that in the retail space where um, companies have struggled. So they're on old rents. And if you can bump the rents up, you can bump up the income. If you can... Um, the rents also the increase in rents also increases the value of commercial property um so yeah there's i know that set that probably came out a bit chaotic in the way it came out of my head but there are there's you know hopefully it shows that there's quite a lot of factors to the market but yeah, we see a similar kind of thing i think sort of it's a bit of a, a chicken and egg thing all the time i mean again if you look at stats um you know as a business if you actually took the COVID period out and when they introduced the stamp duty holiday, you know, we're still doing much more volume now than we were doing at the start of 2020 and 2019. So it depends what you're going to use as a comparable, whether it's short term or long term. And I yeah. think so you've, got, you've got so many people that are still in those sort of fixed term mortgages for the, the three, the, the five years that probably not come out yet. And I think that's maybe where the worry is, you know, how much, you know, is that going to affect affordability? And like you say, will that push up repossessions? Who yeah. Knows? Yeah. The, the lockdown was definitely a, um, you can't call it a, a false indicator of the market because it happened, but it wasn't, it wasn't normal for sure. So um, I must admit, I thought pr prices would drop quicker because what I didn't predict was the, the dramatic undersupply of, of sales. Um, you know, I think you can um, make money in any market or any part of the cycle, Stuart. I think that you, you look for discounts when there's a, um, a crash in the market and you look to add value when there's a more buoyant or growing market. And also, um, when residential might be good, commercial might not be so good and, and vice versa. 
Um, but yeah, it's definitely the most fascinating time in the market I've seen. And if you've got a gun to my head and you want me to predict, I, I think we're very close to the peak of this cycle. I really do. I don't know what you think, but. Yeah, I, I, I feel exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Um, just um, maybe sort of slightly turning to a, a different sort of subject or, or area uh, about housing. Um, it's become really, really fashionable to buy houses and be a, a, an investor. And I don't know whether that's partly to yourself. A lot of people aspiring to be similar to yourself. We've seen lots of people that are new to the market come in and bought numerous properties. Um, I've even been on a few sort of property courses where um, I would say, um, without naming any names, some people are maybe overly selling the uh, the good times about property. Maybe for the audience out there, we should talk about, actually, there are some negatives. One thing that um, I was really surprised about um, with some well-known property people is the complete lack of um, knowledge they were putting into the audience um, that there are actually risks involved. Uh, and everything's great if you're maybe, you know, you've got a tenant in situ um, and you're getting paid rent every month, then great. But of course, there are some there are some downsides to it as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess when someone is selling their course, you know, they probably want to sell more the upsides than the downsides. Yeah. You know, I, I made it a rule in all of my courses, because I'd say I co-own Progressive Property, that we have a section on the downside risks, because I think it's really important. And, you know, just because there are risks and downsides doesn't mean it's not not a good, viable investment. In fact, knowing the risks helps it make a, become a more viable investment. So I think the risks to property are obviously if you over gear, over leverage, um, and, and you, you probably can't right now unless you go and borrow the deposit and circumvent the lender's rules and then get a high loan to value mortgage, which is quite difficult to do now. They've sort of tightened up on that. So you can over gear, um, you know, you can get a fixed rate mortgage, but you know, rates can go up quite significantly as they have recently. And that's another risk. You know, we, we fixed a 12 year mortgage at 2.7%, um, which is obviously very good. And um, that, that would have cost us 60,000 pounds a month more had we got it in today's money. So, you know, being careful of not exposing yourself to future interest rate rises. Um, also, if, if you just get into property, and expect to be rich without understanding that you've got to vet the tenants and you know, you've got to um, build a good relationship with your project manager or your, um, you know, your refurb team and you've got to manage the refurb team. A lot of people assume, for example, when they get a letting agent that they don't have to manage the property because the letting agent will do that. We still have to manage the letting agent. Yeah, and so really it's just about having good business common sense. Um, you, you know, the mistakes we've made in, in the past in Property Stewart are if we've, um, you know, just let any old tenant, I know that there are bad landlords, but there are also bad tenants. And so, you know, if we've been a bit desperate to get a tenant, you know, that's been expensive. Um, if we haven't done, because, you know, with conveyancing, for example, when you bought enough properties, you, you, you sort of know what you're buying and obviously you have to get conveyancing, but sometimes, you know, you might not do the, the thorough diligence and research on the structure and, and things like that. So that can be an issue. Um, 
and then maybe just on a um, on a, an individual level, you know, if you want to travel the world and and you want to have kind of like this more remote lifestyle, um, and then you know you've got mortgages and properties in three or four cities in the UK that can cause an issue because you know it can give you can be tied to those places when you might not want to be a big mistake i see people make is they buy all over the place instead of just buying in one town or city um and and they buy um emotionally you know because they think it will be a nice house to live in rather than it being a good investment mm. yeah yeah no definitely definitely we see it all the time yeah so just sort of having a, a bit of a chat regarding the actual conveyancing process. So, so what are your thoughts on the actual conveyancing? Um, you know, it's a, 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 some might say an antiquated system. Um, it's operated sort of differently in, in different countries. Um, have you got an opinion on the way we do things in England and Wales? Yeah. <laughs> and you're probably not going to like it. In my money books, I wrote um, about a concept that money loves speed and money hates friction. And um, I think one of the most antiquated um, buying property is much slower than it should be. Uh, why should it take three months or six weeks? I know it's not just the conveyancing process. I'm not, you know, you asked here, I'm not um, overly being critical. But if you can transfer a hundred thousand or a million pounds in the bank, um, you know, in two hours, why does it take so long to buy a property? Um, you know, why can you never get hold of a solicitor in August? You know, like, because you can't. Um, and so, yeah, I think I was quite excited when, you know, the blockchain technology came in and I thought maybe the, um, you know, the process of buying a house could be sped up significantly. Um, you, you know, even such things like having old paper deeds, it seems so out of date, that could be, you know, a, a stored ledger, if you like, on the blockchain. So, yeah, I, I, but I don't I think that is the conveyancing is an industry that could be disrupted, um, that could um, really dramatically increase the flow of money. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think there's two separate parts of the equation. There's the actual conveyancing um, and then there's the, the um, you know, the things like title, land registry. Yeah. Um, which are almost two different sort of uh, equations, if you like. Um, so with the what are your thoughts? Why, you know, you're, you're the expert on this. Why does it take so long? And, and do you agree with me that it, it could be quicker? Um, 100%. I, I, I mean, people talk about it all day long. Um, there's lots of things that have been put to government. Whether they've got the appetite to change it, I don't know. But for, for me, there's just too many people involved. Too yeah. many third parties with, even though everybody thinks the same outcome is buying and selling the property there's too many different agendas you know i think separate representation for banks um is a must i, I think it's a, a natural conflict if you're acting for the bank uh and the client i think that should be different uh you yeah. know I, I think possibly moving stamp duty a seller paying stamp duty would be a good idea uh, right. and, and of course upfront information you know collating all the information right at the start of the process like we do yeah. in an auction all our auctions go through in 28 days um, and I think, you know, that it, it should be similar um, in property. I think there is also uh, 
an issue with our profession. I don't think we sell ourselves enough. Um, I think we do a lot of due diligence. People are spending a lot of money and that kind of often gets overlooked. We forget about that. And, you know, we're trying to protect, you know, people that are buying. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, it's a bit of a sit on the fence answer. But I think there's numerous things we could do to speed it up. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the the biggest thing at the moment for me would be the land registry speeding up the time it takes to actually get these registrations pushed through. You know, transfers of part taking three years to register is only clogging up the whole system for everybody. And it's it's those third parties that, for me, you know, need to be aligned. Um, and, and like anything, you know, when they bought HIPS in years and years and years ago, there was hardly any consultation with, with lawyers. Um, I think to speed up the process of conveyancing, you need to look at the moving process or the house buying process and consult every different sort of spoke of that wheel so that everyone moves forward with a, a common goal. And and everybody you speak to wants it to go quicker, don't they? Simple as that. Yeah. Nobody wants it to go, you know, go on forever. But they go. No. Not sure about the holidays in August, though, Rob. Oh, come <laughs> on. It's well known you can't get hold of a solicitor in August. Come well, it's, on. It's July and August, isn't it? Oh, yeah. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, maybe like lightening the mood a bit. Um, obviously, I've, I see you on social media. Um, I've listened to your podcasts and YouTube videos and bits like that. But what's the sort of thing that you like doing the most? Now, you know, it used to be public speaking. And, and didn't you hold a, a world record for public speaking? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I like the content creation side yeah. because it's a direct way to help your audience, your community, um, and it's a much lower form of advertising than Google ads or Facebook ads. And it's, it's rewarding, you know, when people give you good feedback that your content, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube video, really helped them. And, and I find that a, a more rewarding vocation than dealing with boilers and tenants and you know that kind of thing so i would say that the content creation side is the side i personally enjoy the most but i also enjoy the flow of money and so you know i would be stupid to have walked away from continually buying property for the sake of um you know enjoying social media because you know, property is a great asset class and, you know, Mark and I have built up a portfolio of hundreds of units now. Um, yeah, I broke the world record for the longest public speech. Um, and How long was that? It was 47 hours. Yeah, and then um, and we also, we raised a couple of hundred grand. No, no, that one was 115 grand for charity, which is obviously a, a good feeling as well. Um, but, you know, the world has changed, Stuart, and this is something, you know, as you know, I um, own Progressive Property and I'm always going into the community saying, look, accountants, lawyers, solicitors, conveyancers, you need to jump on social media. You're missing a trick. It seems to be those kind of professions are the worst at social media. Like you said, you know, maybe you, because you have to be somewhat cautious, you're maybe not best at marketing and advertising yourself. And it sort of go. It, it, it's a bit against you know that that natural profession, but um, you you know I, like most people don't even know what conveyancing is and how it works. And if they understood the process, that would help. Um, most people, as you know, when they buy a property, they don't know what ducks to have in a row. So that's something that they could be educated on, which will make your job easier. 
So I do think that, um, you know, I was one of the early disruptors in our space in the UK in leveraging social media. And I think it's an opportunity, certainly in, in your type of industry. Yeah, no, definitely. I 100% agree with you. We've been as active as we possibly can uh, can be against all the platforms. But a lot of the, the largest UK law firms don't really have much of a presence. Um, yeah. And given that it's it's time intensive but it's a medium that's free um yeah, why wouldn't you why wouldn't you do it, it does seem a strange yeah. one for me you know especially when i can remember the days when we used to sort of spend you know five figures a month on the yellow pages and mm. uh those days and this is such a a more direct direct way to your client yeah yeah 100 percent. and you know the progressive property facebook community has forty-two and a half thousand members and you know you can reach forty-two and a half thousand, of which maybe 25 to 30,000 might still be relatively active over the last year. Yeah. So, you know, your, your ideal client market clusters together in groups, yet these people don't come come to these places. Like, I bet there aren't many people in your space that do a podcast. I bet you're one of the few, for example. Um, not many, yeah. I ah. think um, there's a couple of conveyancing bodies that might do one, but I can't think of many conveyancing firms individually. Mm. um that do them we've just started our own one called the pcs pod um and that's had great traction um what we like about it as well is that you can actually have you know a different target audience for different platforms so we're targeting yeah. sort of first-time buyers and clients and trying to educate them on the system whether it be about removals you know we've interviewed a surveyor property sources all that kind of stuff um educating yeah. people and then we can have mediums like this where we can talk more professionally where the audience are lawyers and other professionals. So it's it's such a diverse space. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um with regards to sort of what you've got coming up next, I saw recently um you did a charity boxing match with Samuel Lead. So you really are the jack of all trades, got everything going on. So so what's next for Rob Moore? So um yeah, I like variety. Um um you know, I think one of the great things about being an entrepreneur is that you can meet that need for variety um, without it damaging your career. In fact, it can be good for your career. Um, so, yeah, I had this charity boxing match with Samuel Leeds. We raised nearly a quarter of a million pounds for um, charity, which I was really pleased with. And um, that just, you know, I like to do quite creative things for marketing my business. Um, you know, I think that that, that, that was a, a pretty creative thing. Um, I've just finished writing my book, Money Matrix, so that comes out next year. Uh, I'm writing another book with a dear friend of mine, Ryan Pinnock, called Money Loves You, which will come out later this year. Um, and then continuing to create content, pump out the podcast episodes. I'm at nearly episode 1,000 now, and the YouTube videos. And we're still buying property, Stuart. You know, we just bought the Pizza Express building and we've got some money in our pension to buy a couple of units. Um, and then, you know, try and expand the training business. Um, we're not global and we could be. And we're um, as close to 25 million in sales as we've ever been. And I want to try and hit that target this year. Um, because I think that a company, we've been doing this, we've been in the training space since 2008. So, you know, really 15 years in now, I feel like, you know, we should be, we should be hitting those kind of numbers. Um, so yeah, there, there are a few things that I've, I've got going on. Just a bit then. Yeah. Well, 
You're a long time dead, so. <laughs> well, look, Rob, just a minute. I, I want to say thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, I really enjoyed the chat. And, you know, I'd recommend to our audience, whether it be lawyers or anybody else, to visit your social media platforms. Um, I particularly found the podcast really helpful and some of the tips that you give on on that medium, we've sort of integrated here. Um, so I think there's a lot of value out there. Uh, and bearing in mind it's free, you know, why, why wouldn't you go and take a listen? So look, I just want to say thanks for coming on today, Rob. Um, take care and I wish you all the best in the future. Thanks, Stuart.